Welcome to the Relentless Grace Podcast. This church has left the building. Your host is Pastor Paula Mamel. Welcome to Relentless Grace, a podcast for people who are seeking an authentic, unbridled faith connection with Jesus that is relevant in the 21st century. Whether you have been bruised by organized religion and walked away, or are still engaged but looking for a way to deepen your spiritual journey, Relentless Grace is a podcast to connect with your spirit. Each week, I try to make connections between the timeless Word of God and the reality of our everyday lives through reflections on the Word and ways to implement your faith in your daily life. This show is seeking to provide a re-communion of seekers, doubters, stayers, and leavers with the power of the Holy Spirit outside the walls of a congregation. This church has left the building. Today on the Relentless Grace podcast, we continue our look at the Lord's Prayer as we focus on the phrase, hallowed be thy name. I will talk about the paradox of recognizing that we can have an intimate relationship with God, while at the same time recognizing the holiness of God. And as we are able to lean into both the intimacy and the otherness of God, we are able to establish a powerful relationship that can be transformative with the creator of the universe who desires us to come in prayer. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Psalm 145 I will exalt you, O God, my ruler, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day will I bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is God and greatly to be praised. There is no end to God's greatness. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your power. I will ponder the glorious splendor of your majesty and all your marvelous works. They shall speak of the might of your wondrous acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall publish the remembrance of your great goodness. They shall sing of your righteous deeds. God is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great kindness. God is loving to everyone, and God's compassion is over all God's works. All your works praise you, O God, and your faithful servants bless you. They make known the glory of your reign and speak of your power, that the peoples may know of your power and the glorious splendor of your reign. Your reign is an everlasting reign. Your supremacy endures throughout all ages. A reading from Joel chapter 2. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves, in those days, I will pour my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. A reading from Revelation chapter 15. Then I saw another portent in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is ended. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass, with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your judgments have been revealed. Our Father, who art in heaven. The very beginning of the Lord's Prayer presents us with a paradox. On the one hand, we are invited to call God our Father. And as I talked about in the first episode on the Lord's Prayer, The word used for father in this text is one that invokes the image of intimacy, daddy, Abba, a personal, close relationship. But the second part of this opening to the Lord's Prayer says, Hallowed be thy name. And the word hallowed, although we don't use it that often unless you happen to be reading the Harry Potter series, means holy, to set apart. So on the one hand, it's saying, Abba, Papa. And on the other hand, it's saying, keep your name holy and sacred. So you have these two sides of the same coin coming at each other. On the one hand, a very intimate God. And on the other, a God who is set apart. A God who is holy. I actually think that this is a very good way for us to understand our relationship with God. Because if we focus purely on the intimacy and the connection that is implied by Abba or Papa, we may end up domesticating God. And what that means for me is taking away the otherness of God, turning God into, I don't know, our own little pet project or someone that we can control, or seeing God as Santa Claus, the one we turn to whenever we need something. So like a spoiled child going to their father saying, give me this and give me that, and I want this and I want that. That level of intimacy is absolutely beautiful, but the level of taking God for granted or, more likely, using God for our own purposes and our own needs, puts God on a level that forgets the holiness and the vastness and the incredible nature of who God is. But on the other hand, if we don't see that intimate relationship and purely focus on the holiness of God, we end up seeing God as one who is distant from us, one who is far away. Back in the 1700s, the itinerant preacher Jonathan Edwards preached a famous sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. As an aside, I'm going to actually be recreating a bit of that sermon for my congregation's 300th anniversary in a couple of weeks. 
But when I do so, after I recreate what an itinerant preacher did, I'm going to come out and say, this is not how we see and understand God today. I'm going to make it clear that our understanding of God is not sinners in the hands of an angry God with hell, fire, and brimstone and raining terror down upon people. But instead, we understand that we have a God who seeks to be in relationship with us. So we have to constantly be aware of the two dualities that are present in this opening statement. We can't domesticate God so much that we think that we have power over God or that God is somehow our servant that does what we want. And on the other hand, we don't want God so far away that we can't come and talk to God. And so the beginning of this sermon actually becomes an incredible gift, an opportunity for us to know that, yes, yes, we can go to God in prayer, but the God that we go to in prayer is a God who created the universe and who has power and might and majesty and beauty and fierceness an awesomeness, an amazing, awesome, incredible God who also wants to be in relationship with us. So that raises the question, how do we keep God's name holy? Well, ironically, I think one of the ways that we don't keep God's name holy is when we become so familiar with the name of God that we somehow confuse what we believe with who God is. I think I've talked in the past about how interesting it is for some people who have decided that the people they hate are the same people that God hates, which is very ironic because God loves everyone. It's pretty clear in the Bible that God loves everyone, that we're all children of God, and that we were all created in the image of God. And even though we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, God forgives, loves, and offers grace to everyone. But people take God's name and they use it in a way that shows power and control over others, and then they speak for God. Now, I have to be careful as I talk about that, because as a pastor, when I talk, some people think that I am speaking for God. And I often say to people, please don't think that I have all the answers. Get very, very nervous if you're around someone who is a pastor who thinks that they know all the answers, because I am simply giving you what I believe. And I am confident enough to believe that what I believe is something that is grounded in the word and has validity, but I am also humble enough to know that I do not play the role of God in this motion picture that I am not God, and that I can't even begin to understand the breadth and the depth of who God is. So again, more dualities. Speaking as one who seeks to talk for God, but recognizes that I am not God. I think the key to keeping God's name holy is understanding that God is other. God is not us, and that we do not understand a great deal. And so when we look at God, we look at God through the eyes of what is revealed to us through Jesus Christ and through the intercession of the Holy Spirit. And that means that we know that God is love, but not the kind of love that bends over and does not see the pain of brokenness and the hurt that can be caused by divisiveness. God is not mocked. 
and is not someone that we can assign our own sense of power to. And again, that is coming back to what it means that God's name is holy. As we address these competing issues, I think it's helpful to think of ways that we keep God's name holy. And I think the best way to keep God's name holy is to go to God with humility in prayer, with intimacy, but also humility. In other words, to recognize constantly the power of God and to not limit our understanding or our belief in what God can do. One of the ways that I have tried to keep God holy in my own life is that when my own vision is limited and I can't see a way out or around something, I continually go to God with prayer and say, God, open my eyes. Help me to see. Help me to understand. By humbling myself in the sight of the Lord, I have found that the Lord will open my eyes up, and in doing that, I am keeping the name of the Lord holy in my life by recognizing that God is God and I am not. And I believe that when we are able to do that, we are able to find a sense of holiness in God. Of course, this is tied in to our understanding of the second commandment, which says, you shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain, because when we do that, we are not keeping God's name holy. And that commandment does more than simply shake a finger at a slips of the tongue in conversations or moments of anger. It goes to the heart of our image of God and our desire to control God for our own ends and purposes. God gives us the power to call on God's name and establish a relationship with God. But God established this commandment to warn against the possibility of using God or God's name for personal gain or power. That's when we cease to keep it holy. And so we need to watch how we use God's name and our own Christianity and be mindful that we use our faith not to judge or condemn others, but rather to seek after justice and healing and whole relationships. Which leads to the way that we keep God's name holy. We keep it holy by invoking and calling upon the power of the name of God. Instead of merely taking for granted the overwhelming gift we have been given in the name of God, We are to live into this relationship with God and to pray using God's name. We can use God's name in the company of God's word to pray for others, to honor God, and to seek after whole and healthy relationships. That is keeping it holy. The grace of understanding what it means to keep God's name holy is truly good news. The good news that God has given us God's name and that we can call on God in prayer, supplication, and praise. We have, in essence, at the beginning of this commandment, been given God's cell number to call God up whenever we need God. And that is amazing, incredible good news. We can talk directly to God, and God will listen to us. Our Heavenly Father has established a personal relationship with us, a deep, intimate relationship of one of Abba, of Emma, of parent. And to seal that relationship, God has given us God's name, which we are called to keep holy. Then, if we use God's name to hurt others, or to judge them, or to control them, we are using it in vain. We are not keeping it holy. 
But we can rejoice that we can call God in prayer and praise and thanksgiving and use God's name. And then we don't use it in vain, but we use it for life. There's an old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Words can hurt, and they can make things dirty and unclean and not holy. But the good news in this is that when we keep God's name holy, names can hurt us, but they can also save us. The scriptures say that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And when we do that, when we call upon the name of the Lord, we are keeping it holy. Amen. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise. to do something a little different on the community connection. I'm actually going to ask you to reflect on a prayer that I think focuses both on the intimacy and the otherness of God. The untitled poem was written by Dag Hammarskjöld on July 19, 1961. Hammarskjöld was Swedish and was the Secretary General of the United Nations until he died in a plane crash in 1961. One of the remarkable things about Hammerskjöld, who won the Nobel Peace Prize after he died, 
is that his writings over the years show a constant struggle to understand who he was as one of God's children. The poem that I'm about to read was written just two months before he died. As you listen to it, you can see how Hammerskald came to experience God as totally other, and yet, at the same time, as intimately involved in his life. The poem comes from his book, Markings, and I have included it in the show notes if you wish to look at it. The poem goes, Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon our efforts, that we, before thee, in love and in faith, righteousness and humility, may follow thee with self-denial, steadfastness, and courage, and meet thee in the silence. Give us a pure heart, that we may see thee, a humble heart, that we may hear thee, a heart of love, that we may serve thee, a heart of faith, that we may live thee. Thou, whom I do not know, but whose I am. Thou, who I do not comprehend, but who hast dedicated me to my fate. Thou. I invite you to think about that relationship with a God who, in Hammerskull's words, we do not know, but whose I am. How you in your life wrestle with the otherness of God and the intimacy of God and what that means to you. I gave you some of my ideas in my sermon, but I am fully aware that how I interpret that and how you may experience that in your own prayer life and in your own walk with God can be very different, but I think it's important for us to be able to balance those two, to deal with the paradox. What does it mean that God is intimate and yet other, holy? How does that impact how you relate to God? Are there parts of God and the otherness of God that are challenging? Or are there parts of the intimacy of God that are challenging? I invite you to reflect on that. And if you wish to look at the poem that I have included in the show notes, I believe that as we engage with God, and as we begin to have that intimate relationship while also being able to understand the otherness of God, the fullness of God, and all that God provides for us as our heavenly parent and how we are able to engage and relate with God can be transformative. But it begins by thinking about what those two things mean and how, as you focus on it and as you reflect on it, it connects with the depth of your prayer life as you take it to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for joining me today for Relentless Grace. If you appreciated this episode or if you're enjoying the podcast, please let your friends know. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast forum you use and review us. That's one of the ways that the word about this podcast can be shared. If you appreciate this ministry and are interested in supporting it, you may do so by connecting with the link on the show notes to patreon.com. You can also Venmo me at pvmamel or send a check. You can contact me at relentlessgracepodcast at gmail.com.
thank you to Dan McKnight, who is the announcer of Relentless Grace, Graham McFarlane, who read the scriptures today, and Ruth Skinner, who sang Holy, 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 and our closing song. If you have any ideas for upcoming topics for the podcast, please email me or go to our Facebook page and let me know. I appreciate all of the feedback that I receive. I send you out with a blessing. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. May you know the holiness of God, the otherness of God, as well as the intimacy that comes from a God who wishes to be in relationship with you. And in all of these things, be able to turn to God in prayer, knowing that God listens and is there for us when we speak. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. There'll be shouts of joy and all the trees of the field will clap will clap their hands and all the trees of the field will clap their hands the trees of the field will clap their hands the trees of the field will clap their hands as you go out with joy